Bloodthirsty Film Nerds. I'm Eli M., and this is the Movie Massacre Podcast. Hello, kittens. Welcome to episode three of the Movie Massacre Podcast, the show made by film nerds for film nerds. I am your host, Eli M. I want to remind you that you can follow me on the Twitter, twit, thingamabobber, at Eli's Massacre, or email me your thoughts and or criticisms at Eli's Movie Massacre at gmail.com. That's E-L-I-S Movie Massacre, all one word. Okay, now that's out of the way. I realized that so far there haven't been too many massacres. I had hoped to line up something of a massacre for this week's show, but I messed up the audio. So it's going to take me a bit of time to fix it and figure out what to do with what I have. Instead, I've got a treat for you. Uh, last night I watched The Tree of Life with my friend Sophia, and if you've seen the film, you'll know there is a lot to talk about. Um, so we set up the microphone right after the film was finished and we just recorded our thoughts and how we felt. Um, the movie is polarizing to say the least. I've heard people call it the best movie ever made and I've also heard people say it is the worst film of all time. So that's the kind of polarizing we're dealing with. Um, I've read stories about um, theaters who put up disclaimers when people were buying movie tickets because when it first opened there was too many people complaining and asking for their money back and walking out of the theater. So they had to put up a sign explaining the nature of this art film. And I also read that there's a theater in Italy who um, had the first two reels of the films reversed by accident and were screening it that way. So the credits would happen much much later in the film uh, and nobody noticed. <laughs> I just thought it was Terrence Malick being weird with his editing. Anyway, so the director, Terrence Malick, he, his past films include The Thin Red Line and New World. He is notorious for creating films that defy all convention. Essentially, his mandate when making a film is to create a setting where quote-unquote real moments can occur and then to just hopefully have a camera running at that time in order to catch those moments and this means he kind of ends up with this collage of images and sounds that all hopefully invoke or are meant to invoke a series of, of memories and sensory experiences in the viewer and in layman's terms it's two and a half hours long and not a whole lot happens <laughs> um there's lots of really cool facts though about how this movie was made. Um, they shot it all using natural light. Uh, it meant that they had to use three different houses for their main house, all set in different locations, so that they could continue filming all day with the sun coming in in the same spot. Uh, <laughs> Terrence Malick also hired Douglas Trumbull to create the special effects for this movie, and the special effects are a lot of shots of space asteroids, galaxies, not really quite sure what. This is uh, kind of a big deal. Trumbull's, uh, he was responsible for the effects in 2001 A Space Odyssey, and his last movie that he did was Blade Runner. Yep, 
he is a pre-CGI special effects man. So everything that you see that's that's otherworldly and special effectsy, I guess you could say, um, was created in uh, a lab just using anything that the special effects team could get their hand on. Filming things at high speed, at low speed, super zoomed in, super zoomed out. All kinds of crazy, crazy shit went on. That's a story I want to hear. I want to be in that lab. Once everything comes together, uh, this whole film is um, pretty overwhelming. I think ultimately however you feel about it, um, if you like it or hate it, it's one of the most gorgeous things put on film all year, probably in the last few years. So if for no other reason, it's worth the time investment just to see it. Um, the conversation you're about to hear happened literally about five minutes after we finished watching the film. So please excuse our somewhat spacey demeanor. Like I said, this film is very overwhelming and uh, it took us a while to get into our uh, processing groove. I'd warn you about possible spoilers, except that I'm not sure how you can spoil the storyline of a movie with no narrative. So here we go. Okay, now say something. Hello again. Hey, you can see yourself talking. Oh my, that's so strange. Anyway. Okay, so we just finished watching The Tree of Life. How do you feel about that, Sophia? I feel like I need to watch it a second time. <laughs> Not right now. No. But that's a good thing though, right? If, the, if you're ready to go back for round two? Yes, it is. I don't think I really felt strongly either way about it. It didn't really turn me off completely. It was very pretty to look at. <laughs> it was... It was really gorgeous. I I mean, I've, I'm very conflicted about this movie right now. I feel very, um... I don't know. It's just... It's kind of out there. It, it is. It's, it's ambitious. It, yeah, that's the thing, is that there's so many big elements to it. I mean, he covers evolution yeah. <laughs> in a good third of the movie but then yeah. it focuses on these random snapshots of a family in the 50s and follows that for two thirds of the movie and yeah. it goes from being so big to so detailed and then it goes back to being big? I don't know if you uh, yeah, no, it goes back to being ethereal otherworldly Metaphory. Yeah. If someone could explain what Sean Penn's doing in the movie, that would be great. I don't think Sean Penn can explain what Sean Penn's doing in this movie. I think I think I could have done without his character altogether. Like, or maybe not altogether. Obviously, as as a kid, he's quite important. But just him as an adult just doesn't really tie into anything. Yeah. Aside from gorgeous buildings in some city that I want to visit. Yeah, I mean, like, there's if no other reason to watch this movie, you just watch it for, like, a visual poem. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's... There's so much natural light and well, windows in yeah. nature and... I mean, if anyone's... I mean, I think I think Terrence Malick is trying to capture God on film. I think that yeah. was his goal with this movie. Yeah. It was his, he's looking for God or his own God through his camera lens. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's pretty ambitious. Mm-hmm. I don't know, it, it's, 
I'm so speechless. <laughs> I know. I mean, it's, it's hard it's, to take a specific direction with the movie because the movie didn't really have one specific direction, which also is kind of what's amazing about it, too, because you can do with it what you want. I mean, this is an, this is an art piece, right? Yeah. I mean, there's barely a story. I mean, we don't even... The characters don't have names. There's no names involved. Yeah. Jessica Chastain's character barely gets to speak. I think they refer to her as Grace. Like, she's supposed mm. to embody Grace. And, like, they start off the movie talking about Grace. Mm-hmm. Or... Oh, actually, that's not true. I guess she gets to narrate quite a bit of the she movie. She does narrate, yeah. She's the silent observer. Mm-hmm. I have to say, though, I really enjoyed the soundtrack. Yeah. It kind of made me want to go play the piano again. <laughs> <laughs> it was beautiful. It yeah. was like... I don't know... Okay, let's let's try and break this movie down. I need to try and get a handle on it. Alright. Well, how about we start with the title? So, Tree of Life. <laughs> what, right. what elements of that did we see in the movie? I thought it was interesting when it started focusing on the family, because obviously kids are yes. sort of the branches of the tree. Family tree. Yeah, family tree. There you go. You have all the history. And there's lots of trees in the movie. Yes. They plant a tree in the movie. They're very eco-friendly. Yes. Yes. There's also, like, a lot of shots from above, too. Like, I noticed mm-hmm. a lot of the shots were either from, like, a big wide-eyed view or, or um, including the sky or some mm-hmm. very far-off point mm-hmm. behind the characters. So, like, Jessica Chastain and Brad Pitt are often... And even the kids are often shot from, like, the camera, like, right below their face mm-hmm. at a lower angle. So it's like he's always including the sky. Mm-hmm. Or the sun, and like you noticed, you noticed you you're excited about the like sun flares and stuff. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like I think I think the sun flares was his like embodiment of his god. Mm-hmm. Actually, that's something that I felt most movies actually don't do is how he included the kids. I mean, obviously it focuses a lot on them, but mm-hmm. uh, I I did actually like how. Um, a lot of the shots are, were sort of on the same level as the parents, and of course it focuses mostly mm-hmm. on them um, and their grief, and then as it focuses more on the kids, it is a lot lower overall, and you're yeah. right, like, usually you can tell that it's not necessarily at the level that an adult would be watching the kids, it's definitely on the it's same level as kids. True, yeah. And also, I liked it at the end, despite the whole mm-hmm. desert strangeness, um, <laughs> how the camera actually ran after the kid, too. Um, yeah. And it was kind of chasing him, not in a creepy way, obviously, but just yeah. almost in an excited and childish way, which you, again, don't really see. And it wasn't really all that intrusive. Like, it wasn't, like, I was all of a sudden being like, oh my god, the camera's there. It was really more like, oh, look, we're kind of, like, running after Well, the, the camera, too. it never really stopped moving. Mm-hmm. There are very few shots in the movie that were not, that were still, aside mm-hmm. from like, oh look, is this cells multiplying <laughs> or is this a solar flare? Like, mm-hmm. We don't know. Before you really just start to follow this family, it's almost like this kind of visual game of association, mm-hmm. so you just, it's just a collage of images mm-hmm. that relate to each other either in some kind of theme or in some kind of visual aesthetic, but mm-hmm. it's just... It's really up to you to put meaning into it. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of... I mean, the story is a nothing story, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, if father is too proud and the kids are growing up and you grow up and you figure out that the world isn't your oyster mm-hmm. like you thought it was and you get angry. 
But, um, like, it's a story we've all seen before, but what makes this interesting is that that's not the point of it, mm-hmm. and by really taking out a lot of the details about, mm-hmm. like, who are these people, where are they situated, you know, it, like, he, it, none of that matters, and, mm-hmm. and it lets you really, I think it lets you associate a lot with the characters, because mm-hmm. there's nothing, um, there's nothing blocking you from putting yourself into the character's mind. Mm-hmm. I guess it's like a big meditative exercise. It uh, it definitely felt like a huge exercise in nostalgia, though that's for sure. And yeah, how you know amazing and fun childhood can be, and you know the glimpses of adulthood that you get from your parents mostly. Yeah. You know, and the you never really you're never there exactly very close when they're fighting, but you know you definitely pick up on it. You definitely see it. Yeah, and you, you see it from afar. Exactly. I liked how. The anger mm-hmm. slowly seeps into the kids, mm-hmm. and I mean, I guess they set it up right away as soon as the oldest little brother's born. Mm-hmm. You know, they see the kid like <laughs> dump his he dumps his toys. He's like, you can't have these toys. No one can. But most of the movie is them playing. Yeah. Is watching the boys play with each other, and it, it was interesting how it quickly goes from playful to a little more competitive mm-hmm. and a little more aggressive and then a little more competitive and a little more aggressive. Mm-hmm. I feel very overwhelmed. Yeah. <laughs> I think we need more wine. I think we do. <laughs> okay, we'll be we'll be back. I'm trying to think of some of the images that stood out the most. I, I don't know. I mean, out of all the nature shots in this movie, I think the, built, the skyscraper shots were the ones oh. that were the most stunning. Yeah, that was beautiful. That beautiful, like, colored lake. I love that. Yeah, that lake was gorgeous. Or the water, the shot, uh... Oh, yeah, the, the, uh, the, the wave? Yeah, the from wave. From underwater, yeah. That was, like, a opening... That was in the beginning, then they went back to it at the end. Yeah. So, that wave coming in, man, that was gorgeous. And then, yeah. I, I know we both noticed it, but towards the beginning, the... I guess it was a flock of birds flying yeah. in the sky. Because yeah. it's one of those things where you could easily think that the CGI, but it's actually... Like, I've seen flocks yeah. that big. I'm one, I'm curious about how much of what was filmed was filmed, what was CGI. And what was footage, maybe? And what was footage, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm assuming, like, the planetary shots were yeah. not Terrence Malick going out of space. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he has that kind of money yet. Again, that's probably the most ambitious movie you could ever possibly want to make about life. <laughs> you know what I'm thinking about right now? No. I'm thinking, there's been two really great movies made about the meaning of life. Uh, this one and Monty Python. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I, I don't think we can necessarily compare them. <laughs> okay, the dinosaurs, that was too much though, right? What did you think of the dinosaurs? Okay, I think the dinosaurs would have been cool if it had just been that original one. You go from the cell to the thing with the word that I'm not going to be able to pronounce right. The amoebas? Yes, those things. (laughs) (laughs) To the fish, and then you have the dinosaur. You know, if you just moved on from there, that'd be fine. But having, like, that 
shot of like the river with the dying dinosaur and the other one coming and killing it off. Maybe that was the beginning of Cain. That was Cain and Abel. Maybe. Oh, maybe you could go. You could go there. Go biblical. Yeah, <laughs> I I'd love the Bible a lot more if it was enacted by dinosaurs. <laughs> no, sorry. Okay. So uh, yeah, for dinosaurs. me the dinosaur would have been fine had it been just that beach shot, and then you moved on to something else. But yeah, mostly because I thought that was well done. Like it was. If anyone can get away with putting a fucking dinosaur in the movie, exactly. <laughs> About the fifties. About the fifties. <laughs> It seemed to make sense in the context. That's like you said. It's hard to talk about performances. Although I have to say, I wasn't thinking the entire movie that oh, I'm watching Brad Pitt. Yeah. Which isn't usually the case because usually I'm like, oh, it's Brad Pitt being like his charming self, and there was. He transformed his face. Like he held mm. his jaw differently, which really gave him a different look. I mean, yeah, I he mean, was a lot harsher. I think. Yeah, which was yeah the point. And his hair was awful. Oh, yeah. And he was very harsh. He was not a nice... Yeah. He was not a... I guess you, you almost feel sorry for him. Yeah, and he had these weird moments of, of being affectionate mm-hmm. with his sons and... It was almost like he'd overcompensate with yeah. the affection. They don't introduce his aggression right away. Mm-hmm. You don't see it right away. What you see is their apprehension mm-hmm. towards him. Which I guess, because you don't initially understand because you haven't seen him do anything. Yeah. He, you know, he's like patting them on the back and they're giving him this leery-eyed mm-hmm. look. Like, when is it going to turn? Like, what are you doing? Yeah, what, when is it going to turn? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The child actors were all quite good. That kid was good. Yeah, none of them were annoying. I guess... I mean, he, it, he brings that out, like, because he, mm-hmm. he, he creates that setting where it's just the cameras kind of disappear. Yeah, without an actual script. How do you... No, I guess that might be easier for kids if there's not an actual script that they have to stick to, because if they can just be themselves... Yeah. But I'm just thinking that for the eldest son, it'd be pretty challenging, because he does have to... Yeah. He still has to be able to, to go from being, you know, a kid to being that preteen and... Start mm-hmm. getting all those feelings that he can't really explain or understand. Yeah, he had um, wonderful eyes mm-hmm. for what he plays. Because, like, like we said earlier, it was a lot of the movies is, is watching people be angry mm-hmm. and not understanding what they're angry about. Yeah. And he, he it, I mean, it came across. Unless we're completely misinterpreting this movie and the whole thing's supposed to be about dinosaurs, so. Yeah, it could be. Could be the hidden meaning. We missed it. Yeah. You're too busy looking at the pretty pictures. <laughs> <laughs> Jessica Chastain's character. Um, I thought it was funny how she was always playing with the with the boys and then the accusation that she was turning them against the father. Yeah. And, I mean, you see her being upset with him. Yeah, but and she's only ever loving towards her boys. Exactly. Like, she never is anything other than that. I mean, that was kind of like one of the the key moments in, in Brad Pitt's character mm-hmm. was when he's... You're not there watching it mm-hmm. close up on his face. You're watching it from the kid's perspective. Mm-hmm. He's like, you're turning them against me. And you're like, oh. <sighs> you are an unhappy man. Yeah. You are not a happy man. Yeah. I don't know. It's rough to watch... It's rough to watch people become disillusioned. Mm-hmm. Really, the movie warns you from the get-go because... True. With the son passing away, the parents are pretty disillusioned yeah. with life in general. I mean, I guess part of it, too, is just uh, is actually trying to find the meaning behind it, and there isn't really one. 
because all that you're surrounded with is nature and nature doesn't have any answers to offer you. No. <laughs> and I mean that might that might also be part of why they're quite angry is that they don't really have any answers to their questions or any answers as to why bad things happen. I was trying to think back to when I was a kid and I remember there's lots of stuff that I felt angry about but I don't remember why or what it mm-hmm. was or what I noticed and I mean I can think of a few examples of things where I'm like oh adults are stupid mm-hmm. okay life is not good yeah <laughs> like oh, I'm not the center of the universe <laughs> what, what? <laughs> this can't be I guess it's something that everyone's gone through, everyone mm-hmm. can identify with. Um, it's just weird to see it mm-hmm. pasted together mm-hmm. on, on, a, on a, in a film. Yeah. I mean, that disillusionment with life, too, is just on so many scales, because it goes from everything with your life not turning out how you want it to be, or with life mm-hmm. throwing horrible things at you to just the more existential scale of, hey, you're just a small part of a big, large, you know, living (laughs) earth. (laughs) Yeah, you're a little ant. Yeah. Remember when you stepped on that ant? That's you to, like... Yeah, everything else around you. Yeah. Yeah, It's a fun movie. It's really uplifting. Good thing we have this podcast. Yeah. (laughs) Talk (laughs) us through the pain. That's what the wine's for. (laughs) Although I have to say I was pretty happy there wasn't more like shoving down your throat of religious things. Yeah, I mean there were it's a few more church s- scenes, but it's more spiritual than yeah. it is Christian. Yes, it opens up with a quote from the Bible, but it's never preachy. Um, can we talk about grass for a minute? He's likes to put a lot of grass in yeah. his, and I'm talking actual grass, not yeah. The drug press. <laughs> I mean, I think the thin red line opens too. Yeah. With a scene with like a guy running his hand through the yeah. grass. Which I've tried to do, it never feels as good as it looks. No, you have to have like a special sort of like taller yeah. grass. <laughs> and then, same thing in uh, New World, there are right. so many shots of her just going through the tall grass. And um, I don't know, maybe for him, that's a really great way of commuting with nature. <laughs> Yeah, well, I guess it's, like, a very... It's very sensual. It is. It's not in a sexual way, but in in the sense that mm-hmm. it conjures a lot of different senses. I mean, yeah. if you when you see that, there's a feeling. Mm-hmm. Um, there's even sound with the, the wind, usually, sound, or even the yeah. rustling from your fingers. And, the, and then the smell. I mean, everyone mm-hmm. knows what grass smells like. That's it's, true. I think it's a very powerful image. Yeah. And it's one that I don't mind looking at all the time. It's less obvious than the shots of the trees. Referencing the tree of life. Is there... I guess there is a tree in the movie, right? Yeah. That life happens around. And it's funny, too, actually, because the the home... I mean, so much of it happens, you're right, outside in the yard, around that tree. But then when he's at work, he's surrounded by steel and just metal. And And he's literally cut off, like there's a a wall between him and nature. At one point, I actually thought I was going to start taking, like, a very... Uh, like American stance on life of like you make your own person and there was definitely a bit of it but I felt like it was more contained just to to Brad Pitt's character yeah and and not necessarily as like an American thing but more that's what he wanted from his life was to be Mm -hmm. this great person and to be successful and and 
be creative too. I think that's something that he felt was really important in order to be successful was uh, to be creative and to make his own, I don't know, his own way through life based on one of his ideas. That's his character is that, I mean, he's trying to, I guess, he's trying to make a, make his mark. He's trying to make mm-hmm. himself important. You know, he's always trying to impart this random knowledge on his sons, mm-hmm. and his sons are rolling their eyes at him going, yeah. come on, Dad, like, you're full of shit. That's where his anger comes out, too. Mm-hmm. He's trying so hard to be important and to matter mm-hmm. in the world. That's this, it's this middle class mm-hmm. thing, right, that, that, that started in the 50s, this post-war thing of, like, you can make your own destiny mm-hmm. if you just try hard enough. Yeah. Which is not true, because it means that if you try hard enough and you don't make it, then there's something wrong with mm-hmm. you. Yeah, there was definitely one point where, when he was talking to his son and trying to impart his wisdom, mm-hmm. I was definitely thinking, I was like, I think you might need a friend. <laughs> I think you need <laughs> someone else to be able to talk to about Aww. this. <laughs> Two-thirds of the movie do focus on this family, mm-hmm. and, I mean, he's such a huge part of that family, and in a way he doesn't really see that the way he can be important is with his family. It's just, you know, he's so disappointed with something else in his life and he's kind of go missing uh, Missing about part. this amazing yeah. thing that he's had a part in. Exactly. And I guess he kind of comes to that conclusion towards mm-hmm. the end. He's like, oh wait, yes, I had these great things right in front of me. Yeah. And lucky for him, they're all coming with him. <laughs> That's the thing about kids. You can't can't leave them behind. (laughs) Unless you're Jean-Jacques Rousseau. (laughs) You can stick them in the orphanage. Is that what he did? Yeah. All seven of them, I think. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay, well, you can't do that anymore. No. (laughs) Not anymore. It's frowned upon. Hey, Sophia, do you want to tell me an example of a movie that you really love? It's like a good, happy movie for you. A good, happy one? Oh, man. Uh, not including my guilty pleasures. Actually, okay, funniest movie, I would say, in the past five years, uh, just in terms of comedy and, like, happy, forgetting Sarah Marshall. Aww. Yeah. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> no pretense, straight-up good comedy. Um, yes. One of the few movies that I laughed my way through when I saw it for the first time, and, like, genuine laughter. I like that movie because there's, um... Um, full frontal nudity. Full frontal nudity. <laughs> you can be honest here. <laughs> oh, there's never a problem with full frontal nudity. No, it's well, yes, that, but also the um, the Dracula puppet show. Mm. <laughs> of, course. of course. I really want that Dracula musical to be a reality. So anybody listening out there who has money and wants to sponsor the Dracula puppet musical, do it now. I you will, will not there. live to regret it. I'll be there in the front row. Yeah. Let's go listen to something happy. Yay! After this movie. All right. Okay. Let's do it. All right. There you have it. I forgot to mention in my opener that the magnificent score you heard uh, was composed by Alexander Desplat. It's really a stunning piece of music. In terms of Oscars, The Tree of Life has been nominated for Best Film. Terrence Malick has been nominated as uh, director. It's also gotten a cinematography nod, but sadly it didn't get uh, any nomination for the visual effects or for its wonderful score. Anyway, that's it for now. I'm off to watch the Super Bowl. I really hope the guys in the tight pants catch the ball and run a lot. Really got my heart set on that, on that happening. Okay, bye for now.